Hey Bulls Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile, and as I announced in our last episode, I'm launching a new series called Media Matters. In this series, I'm going to have on guests that work in Chicago sports media, whether they're on-air personalities, producers, reporters, other types of content creators. I want to have them on to talk about why they do what they do, how they do what they do, and where they see the industry going in the next five to 10 years, because the industry has changed. The way we consume our sports content is different than it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I want to get these people's thoughts on the changing dynamic in the industry. I've already started recording some episodes, and those are going to start dropping at the end of March. Our first guest is Tony Gill. And of course, Tony Gill's been a guest on the Rebuildable podcast a a few times. But Tony's story is very interesting of how he got into the industry and how his role has changed since he's joined NBC Sports Chicago. He's a forward thinker and somebody that I think is perfect to kick off this series. So again, his episode is going to drop Wednesday, March 31st. The second guest for the Media Matters series is Annie Costable. Annie Costable is from the Chicago Sun-Times. She covers the Chicago Red Stars and also has a podcast called Equal Play. Equal Play highlights different women in sports. She has guests on to talk about their role, whether it's in the front office, on the field, on the court, even behind the microphone. It's a really good podcast. I definitely encourage you to subscribe to it. But she's going to join us on Thursday, April 8th, and that'll be the second episode of Media Matters. The third episode is with Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago. Casey Johnson, of course, is one of the best local beat writers for the Chicago Bulls. And I know you who, who listen to the Rebuildable podcast, you know how much we talk about Casey. I mean, pretty much all the major Bulls podcasters talk about Casey Johnson, or at least dissect his reports. They've had him on, on their shows as well. And Casey's story is very interesting because he, he talked with us about his time at the Tribune, spent almost 30 years with the Chicago Tribune before making the leap to NBC Sports Chicago. And it was really cool to hear about his rise through the industry, how long it took him to hit his stride, and even how he's still kind of learning on the job now, especially with this new role at, at NBC Sports Chicago, where you know, he's not only a tried and true reporter, He's also taking on the role of a podcaster who, who has to share some takes along the way. So it's very fascinating. If you if you want to get a, an in-depth look at how Casey does his job and, and why he does certain things he does, I definitely encourage you to listen to that when that drops. And that's going to be on Monday, April 19th. That's when Casey's episode will drop. But Casey was kind enough. We recorded this on, on Saturday, March 20th. Just after the Bulls had another fourth quarter collapse against the Denver Nuggets, uh, the next day, he not only took the time to do the interview for Media Matters, but he also took some time to talk about the upcoming trade deadline for the Chicago Bulls. And I want to share that with you in this episode. So I started by asking Casey what he expected Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley to do at the deadline. Are they going to be active or are they going to ride this thing out down the stretch? 
I'll say this. We're in the process of just getting to know a new regime. And look, I've never met Mark Eversley in person. Okay. I mean, it's like, I, I don't, I don't have the, not, not only do I not have the personal relationships with Mark Eversley and Arturis Karnaschovas that I did with the previous regime, I, I don't even really have any institutional knowledge of how they work because this is their first season. Right. So I, all this is the preface by saying, for sure, I definitely don't have any idea what they're thinking or doing. What I will say is in my conversations uh, with people that I do know and trust around the league, the sense is that the Bulls are, um, they're very protect, they're very conscious of their cap space coming up this, this coming summer. Um, they're pleased with where they are in terms of their competitiveness um, and so they're not going to they're not going to be shedding deals just to pick up like a second round pick or just grab whatever asset they can. If if a right deal comes along, you absolutely have to believe that they're going to do it. But they're not they're not out there actively shopping fire sale stuff. And look, before the season started, like Zach Levine was always in trade rumors. I have not heard one whiff of a trade Zach Levine trade rumor. Now look, he'll get traded between now and Thursday. But but um, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, the, the executives that I talked to from other teams are giving me the impression that, you know, obviously the Bulls aren't in position to say somebody's untouchable, but that Zach's kind of in keeper mode, right? Like, I mean, he's played himself into, into keeper mode. So all that is a long-winded way of saying, cliche alert, if the right deal presents itself, they'd make it. But they're not they're, – they're definitely not in, like, sell-off mode to pick up any asset, at least the sense I get from people talking to people around the league. I have – I have no personal, uh, um, you know, conversations with Mark or Arturis to inform that. That's just from the perception of the people I talked to around the league. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's the feeling amongst a lot of reporters and even both fans. Like, we still don't know how AK and Eversley operate. So, I think we're all kind of flying blind a little bit. Um, so, one of the things, and again, this is more speculation that we you kind of hear in, in the Twitterverse, which is always a dangerous place to, to go through. You always hear Laurie Markkinen's name come up. You hear Thad Young's name come up as potential trade candidates. Um, if one of those guys were to get moved, which one do you think would be more likely, Markkinen or, or Young at the deadline, if the uh, right deal presented itself? I think, I think the more likely would be Young because um... – just because I think there's there's there, there's more avenues for a, a young trade. Now that said, the sense that I would get, the sense that I would get is that I want to make sure I phrase this right. I, I've heard no talk of them shopping marketing, but just look. I mean, they know what he's looking for because they had talks for free agency, so they know roughly what he's thinking of for a price tag, right? And so. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense, if they're not comfortable in going to that number, then maybe they'd be more open to trading him. I don't know. But um, but I sound like I'm answering it two ways. But what I would say is Young is probably more likely just because there's going to be in, there's definitely interest in him. And all you would do need to do is just say yes to somebody. And it just seems like it's an easier deal to figure out than the marketing deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, you know. That is to me is play his way like not again that he's untouchable or anything, but he's so important to this team in so many ways that I can't see them trading him just to pick up any old asset. It would have to be a pretty significant deal for them to move him, in my estimation. I, and I just to kind of pick your brain because, like to me, the right asset would be unprotected 
first round pick to me would be something that that would if I were in their shoes that would pique my interest for sure. But, but here's what I always say to that is like is like the teams that make sense to try to acquire him are teams that are you know contending teams. So we're talking that they would probably end up having a you know later first round pick. So that that's where to me it doesn't. I, I personally don't see how they 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 get something done. But you know I've been wrong as I yeah. said before many times before. So we'll see how it plays out. But you know before the season you probably could have said. Or you can see them trading Thad for like an expiring deal and like a second round pick, you know. And now I just don't see that happening at all. I just don't. And I know when it when it comes to marketing, you know, you you brought up the discussions that had happened, just what he could want on the open market, and it's it's a bare free agent class. Like if if the free agent class was actually loaded like it was supposed to be, I don't think they'd have to worry. But I mean, Larry, I you could see a GM. It happens a lot in the NBA. You can see GM paying him twenty million plus a season, and that's for me as a Bulls fan. That's kind of a scary proposition. I don't know if I want to go down that road, Casey. Yeah, I mean, I always say I'm not a I'm not a GM. I'm a beat writer, but I mean, this you, you do have to wonder about the value of twenty million dollars for a guy who, at least this season, I mean, his shooting's been unbelievable, and he's he, to me he definitely has shown moments where he's been more aggressive, but. Um, you know, his rebounding numbers are, are poor. His free throw attempts are low. Um, he's a pretty assist dependent player, you know, and, and back, and I know this February, 2019 stretch has become kind of almost cliche in Bulls fandom, you know, because it was this legendary stretch or whatever. But if you look back at that time, he was just such a different player. I mean, he was ripping defensive boards off the glass, bringing it up himself and then making plays for others or scoring through contact. And that, that Lowry is just—I haven't seen that as much lately, and I'm not being critical of Lowry. He's having a very good season, but it's just—you're right. Twenty million dollars is a lot to pay for like a catch and shoot or an assist-dependent score. So hopefully, you'll see that the rest of his game kind of evolve between now and the end of the season. So, which do you think would be the better outcome for the Bulls? Is it squeaking into the playoffs or just missing it and getting into the lottery where? It's supposed to be a, dream, a pretty deep draft class. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I always find there's no wrong answer to that. And uh, I personally think just given how little important basketball some of these young players have played, I think getting in would probably be important. I know it would be a, mean a lot to Zach and be important for Zach. But I will say, like, that's starting to fade a little bit in importance to me even over on a daily basis. And here's why. Like, the young core – you know, Kobe's coming off the bench now. Markinen and Carter sat for all of overtime last night. And I know that's just like a one-game thing. But, like, I mean, is all this young core going to be here two years from now? You don't you don't know the answer to that. So, like, how beneficial will it be for, like, Kobe White and Wendell's growth if they get into one playoff round and get bounced, if they're not going to be here in a couple of years? I, I don't know. I'm talking all over the place here. I'm bad. I'm, I'm really bad at speculative questions just because I'm based on – I base most of my stuff on fact. But um, but uh, I don't know. That's kind of important, Casey, so that, yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, at the end of the day, I'd probably say squeaking into the playoffs, but I'm not married to that answer. Yeah, and I, I guess just real quick because I want to follow up on just one quick thing you had mentioned early – that this summer, you know, they, they understand the situation they're in. This is another kind of speculative question, but do you think this could be a pretty 
big off season for the Chicago Bulls? Are, are we possibly going to see some interesting moves made in the summer? Well, you, it better be a significant offseason for the Bulls because they've got cap space, and that's what he pointed to with you know why he signed Garrett Temple to a one year deal and didn't strike last year, and that's what you know. Um, that's they didn't. That's why allegedly they didn't do much last year to the roster. Um, so I always just come back to this, and I know you know regimes are different, but um, you know John Paxson took over for Jerry Krause, and within two years completely flipped the roster except for Eddie Curry and Tyson Chandler. Every player was gone except for two. So that's the history I'm working on is I expect a new regime of Arturis and, and Mark to come in and make changes. And the first offseason, they didn't make changes. Um, and they pointed to cap flexibility as a big reason why. So I personally expect this roster to look significantly different one, two years from now. And part of that process is this summer because of the opportunity you have with the cap space. So again, that was Casey Johnson from NBC Sports Chicago. Big thanks to him for for joining me again. We were recording our new series, Media Matters, which debuts on March 31st. Casey Johnson's episode is going to be Monday, April 19th. Again, Monday, April 19th is when you can hear Casey talk about his time at the Tribune, his time now at NBC Sports Chicago, and where he thinks the industry is heading in the next five to 10 years as the way we consume content changes. Uh, but it was really nice of him to take some some time there, about 10 minutes to get into the, the trade deadline. And I do want to dive into that a little bit here on this episode. He, I think he had some really good tidbits there on, on not only the deadline, but that last point that we got into about this summer. Now, the free agent class isn't sexy this summer, but there's something interesting there that I think we have to pay attention to. Could this be an off-season where the Chicago Bulls do some wheeling and dealing and mostly in the trade market? I didn't get to follow up with Casey on that, but this is more speculation on my part. I have a feeling that this means we could see some activity via trade, and you never know what names could be available. The name that I've floated out on this podcast, and I know other uh, Bulls content creators and podcasters have, have floated this idea on on podcasts, on Twitter, is the name Carl Anthony Towns. If somebody like Carl Anthony Towns is available, I feel like that could be a very compelling piece to add to this Bulls roster. And as Casey mentioned, Zach is now viewed as a keeper. It's widely believed that the, the franchise wants to keep him here and build around him. So if you're looking to build around somebody like Zach Levine, and I, I mentioned this on the last episode with uh, with Buzz from Bulls on Tap and on Tap Sportsnet, that Carl Anthony Towns fits the timeline that you could have with a player like Zach because Zach is 25 going on 26. Carl Anthony Towns is going to be 25 going on 26 when next season starts. Carl Anthony Towns has roughly three years left on his contract, Zach Levine could be extended to match that. So there's intrigue to add a piece like that. So you add a piece like Carl Anthony Towns and, and you find a point guard that works with this team, could be a very interesting offseason for the Chicago Bulls. Now, do they do some wheeling and dealing at the deadline? Casey, you, you heard in his answers there, he thinks that if the right deal comes along, maybe that's with... Laurie Markkinen, 
Maybe it's with Thad Young that something happens. And I wonder, could the Chicago Bulls look at this situation down the stretch and say, if we get in, we get in. If we don't, we don't. doesn't matter either way. We know what we have. More things are coming to light. We talked about this season being a year of evaluation. Things are starting to take shape. I think we know that. I think we're starting to know what Wendell Carter Jr. is. Maddeningly inconsistent at this point. And I know for some people the sample size might still be small. But I don't know if he is this stalwart defender and poor man's Al Horford that we thought he was. You know, he seems like a decent piece right now to bring off the bench. Could eventually get back into the starting lineup. I don't doubt that. But I think we have to tamper our expectation level of what we thought Wendell Carter Jr. could be. And I had high expectations for Wendell Carter coming into the season. Hell, I thought he was going to be the most improved bull this year and, and that we'd see strides take on the offensive end of the floor. But the issue right now with Wendell Carter Jr. is between the ears. It's all mental. There's a mental block right now that's causing him to play at such an inconsistent level and frankly get in his own head when things don't go his way. And he's got to overcome that if he wants to be the player that he thinks he can be and that, frankly, most Bulls fans thought he could be. With Kobe White, I think we're starting to realize that he is a spark plug combo guard. I have no issue with that. In fact, I kind of like that as a piece on this team going forward. You know, I know people want him to be a starting point guard and would rather see him be a master facilitator, but... Take the numbers out of it. Look at the eye test when you watch him play. He seems much more comfortable when he's looking to create his own shot first and gets in rhythm because everything else then comes to him. And I'm fine with that. You know, when you pick a guy number seven overall and you get a productive combo guard who can either start or come off the bench, average close to maybe 16, 17 points a game, has stretches where he could score 20, 30 points, You take that every time. If that's what you're getting at number seven, you take that all day, every day. There's a lot of drafts where you have to find that player at the top of the draft. Those aren't easy guys to find. So I'm perfectly fine if that's who Kobe White is. But I think as you're starting to build this roster to become a perennial playoff team, you got to find key pieces. In fact, I'm going to use something that, that Tony Gill used on Twitter the other night. This team needs dudes. They need guys that can take over. Billy Donovan talked about this after the the loss against Denver. He pointed to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Those guys can finish a game. They're guys you can rely on consistently to get buckets when you need them. Down the stretch or when you need to put your, your foot on the gas and just close out a game. Those are the guys you can turn to. I think the Bulls have that in Zach Levine. But Zach Levine can't be the only one to do it all the time. You need somebody else to step up and take over. And I think that's what's going to take shape here over time. And I don't think it's going to happen here at the deadline. You know, at the deadline, what I could see is Thad Young getting moved. Contrary to what Casey said there, I do think the Bulls would be open to the idea of getting an unprotected first-round pick because you can stack the cupboard If the 2021 offseason is going to be a big offseason for the Bulls, I think stacking the cupboard with assets that you can trade would be helpful. And I think in that case, another first-round pick to package with whatever your first-round pick is is desirable, could be desirable, especially if you add 
other pieces to it like players. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised if Thad Young does get moved towards the end of this week. And I also wouldn't be surprised with Laurie Markkinen because I think the unwillingness to want to give him 20 plus million a season is something that if the Bulls get an opportunity to acquire a potential point guard like Alonzo Ball, it might be very intriguing to them. And think about this. I get Lonzo Balls in the same situation as Laurie Marketing, where he could hit the open market. But to use the Carl Anthony Towns example I brought up earlier, if you're in a situation where you have Zach Levine and you make a run at Carl Anthony Towns and you got to evaluate Lonzo Ball at the end of the previous season, then you know whether or not you want to lock him up and keep him here and align Lonzo, Zach Levine, and then Carl Anthony Towns via trade. You got three guys roughly around the same age, and you're going to make a go at becoming a perennial playoff contender and then fill out the rest later. And, you know, down the road, you're probably going to do some more wheeling and dealing to get to the next level, to championship contention. But you're laying that groundwork with three guys that are roughly the same age, and you have have locked up over time. And, you know, if, if they don't work out, they might be tradable assets still. So it's just something to think about. If Again, if, if you're the Bulls, you don't want to pay Laurie Markkinen, but you're open to paying a pure point guard like Lonzo Ball, why not take the end of the year to evaluate him? If you can make that trade head-to-head, I say you do it. And it, it does depend. Like if, if New Orleans is looking to get a first-round pick with Laurie Markkinen, that might not be something the Bulls would be willing to do. And frankly, I, I wouldn't be willing to do that. But if you could do a head-to-head almost, I'd consider it if I were the Chicago Bulls. Because again... If we're looking at the 2021 offseason being a pivotal point for the Chicago Bulls, why not? If you can have your point guard position better evaluated, you have Zach Levine, and that piece, like Carl Anthony Towns, is available via trade, you can have everything ready to make a go at it. So I'm, I'm open to the idea of, of trading Laurie and Thad Young as this week progresses. But we'll see what happens, Bulls Nation. We'll... We'll see if the Bulls are active or if they just stay status quo. Again, Media Matters, our special series, is going to drop here at the end of this month, starting with Tony Gill on March 31st, Annie Costable on April 8th, and Casey Johnson on April 19th. And again, thank you to Casey Johnson for providing some insight here on the Bulls trade deadline. If you want to catch more episodes of the Rebuildable Podcast or this special Media Matters series as it kicks off, Continue to follow us on Twitter at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bull. And please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all those places. We're available for you to stream us. So thank you for listening and please continue to stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.